Where do the Minnesota Vikings go from here? Seven to 10 regular season. Didn't make the playoffs. They pick 11th in the 2024 NFL draft. Feels like it's just far enough away to miss out on those quarterbacks, but still close enough to be able to move up and get them. How should they approach the off season? What can we learn from this game against the Detroit lions? And then should the Vikings re-sign Kirk cousins? A lot of questions are facing this football team and we're here to talk about them here on the real Forno show. Real Forno show hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings wire writer for the college football network. Publisher of Substack, Run In Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. On the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. Hello! Welcome to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me as always, he is producer Dave. Dave, how are you? It's Monday, and we love our Mondays here. You're damn right we do. Uh, first, it started off as Mock Draft Mondays, then it was CTP Mondays, and now it's all about me. And I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's about us, but the show is aimed after me, The Real Forno Show, and we are very happy to have all of you here. Leading up, as I forgot to mention in the opener, leading up to the National Championship game, Michigan taking on Washington, and I cannot wait to watch it. We're going to give a brief synopsis of what you should be looking for and who I think is going to win. And I will point you right now on College Football Network. I have a full betting write-up of this game. And if you want to pair that, I already see comments uh, in the or sorry, um, people talking in the comments about what quarterback we should take. Let's pump the brakes a tiny bit. And here's what I mean. We're going to have a lot, a lot of in-depth conversations about these quarterbacks. Tonight's not the night for that. So you're going to get a lot of it, but we're going to hold off because we have a lot more to get to than just talking about the quarterback position, but which we are, which we are going to talk about. You know what? Let's start there. Kirk cousins talking to the media here earlier this afternoon gave us some interesting tidbits, Dave, about what were his they? future. He talked about hometown discounts, but the one thing he said that was really interesting was it's not about how much money, it's about what the money represents. And I, I think I paraphrased a tiny bit, but essentially what I read that to be it's not about giving me the most amount of money. It's about giving me the money to be the unquestioned starting quarterback. And that that's kind of how I perceived it. So if he has to take that hometown discount where he's only making, let's say $20 million a year, let's just use that as a hypothetical. What those dollars mean to him is you don't draft a guy and I am the guy. That's the long and the short of it. That's kind of how I interpreted it. And as a starting quarterback in the National Football League, you want that kind of security. You want to know that if you're going to pay me to be the guy, I will be the guy. And there's not going to be anybody else to take my spot. 
So I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I don't see that as a as a move where, hey, like you're being selfish or anything. Quarterback's a very interesting position. It's not like, say, starting pitcher in baseball. Clayton Kershaw, Jake DeGrom, two of the best starters. But they're only going to start one out of every five games. You still need other starters. So it, it doesn't matter to them if you pay another starter big bucks or you draft one with the first overall pick. They're not going to see the field for three years anyways. Let's be real. It's different with quarterback because you really can only have one. And if you have two, you have none. That's just kind of how it works with football. Like when you look at teams that were flip-flopping between quarterbacks this year, look at the Atlanta Falcons, Taylor Heineke, Desmond Redder. They don't have a quarterback. They have two, which means they have none. The only time in recent memory I can think of where a team had two quarterbacks, 2004, 2005, San Diego Chargers. They had Drew Brees, who was inconsistent before they drafted Phillip Rivers in 04. And then Drew Brees comes out and starts playing like a pro bowler. And now it's like, okay, well, what do we do? Now we have two guys. So they kept Drew Brees on the franchise tag for one more year and then gave Phillip Rivers the reins in 2006. What made it easier for them is Drew Brees tore his shoulder really, really badly The one of the final games in that 2005 season. He fumbled the ball inside the 10-yard line against, I think it was the Broncos. He dives for it. His arm goes like flippy-doo. He completely shreds his shoulder, and he's out. And now, if you remember, the Dolphins said, no, we won't clear him. The Saints said yes, so he goes to the Saints. And there we go. The rest is history. So why are we talking about that here? We're talking about that here because we're in a similar yet not similar position with Kirk Cousins. It's an Achilles but you're in a position where you have that guy with an injury and you have to decide whether you're going to bring him back. So it's not as simple as we're just going to bring him back for X amount of dollars. You have to determine that Kirk cousins is going to be worth the money, whatever you pay him. And you're going to get that return on investment because you're also going to want to draft the quarterback of the future. Kirk kind of just told you he doesn't want the quarterback of the future. He wants to be the guy, which he has every right to say that. And you know what? He should say that because he wants to be the guy. Problem is he's about to be 36 years old and he has a torn Achilles. So it, there are a lot of questions, but it's going to be really interesting to see how the Vikings handle this. Cause if you remember, Quasi Mensa and the organization did have conversations with cousins about an extension. The Vikings were willing to guarantee 2024 cousins camp wanted 2025 guaranteed as well. They could not come to a decision on a contract. So they tabled it until this upcoming March. They may start having those conversations earlier. Now that the season's over, you can start having those conversations earlier and it's not going to really impact anything here long-term. So it, it, the whole thing is very interesting to see how it plays out. And I do have a, a long article coming out tomorrow for vikingswire.com. It's going to drop in the afternoon. 
I recommend you check that out. And it's going to kind of look at a lot of different angles for how the Vikings could approach it and historical precedent on what kind of money they, they will be potentially offering Kirk. So I recommend that, but the whole reason we're talking about is because the off season kind of focuses around the quarterback position. And Dave, I want to kind of get you in here because I have just kind of delivered a 10 minute soliloquy, which look, people come here to listen to me talk. I think that's pretty dang cool. So I'm, I'm not going to complain. Um, but I, I want your opinion here because this is not just a one tier decision. This is a, a decision that will have a lot of ripple effects moving forward. My question to you is, what is your general sense on this? And when do you think we get a resolution for Kirk Cousins? It's going to depend on the moves they make between now and March 13th and what they're going to talk about. I think tomorrow is when they we start to get the end-of-season press conferences. We'll see how those go. Wednesday at 1 o'clock, Kevin O'Connell will address the media. Um, but it's going to... We're going to have to see. We're going to have to get through the playoffs, see how other teams are reacting, all of that. And we're going to have to see what sort of direction, how they talk, see if they tip their hand on which way to go. It's all got to be decided by March 13th. They have to have a full decision by March 15th. Why, 15th why is that date 15th. important? Let's, let's talk about the why. Kirk Cousins' contract voids March 13th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Why is it 4 p.m. Eastern time? Because it's when when the, the league day starts. The league day starts every day at 3 p.m. That is, that's an important time. Like, that's when waiver wires uh, get um, processed. It's, it's just an important time of the day, okay? So when that time comes, if the Vikings do not have an extension, and this is the key, it's not just signing him to a new contract. It, they have to extend him because right now his contract is still valid until that void time. If they don't sign him to that contract by 3 p.m. Central on March 13th, Kirk Cousins' dead money will automatically hit for the 2024 season. All $28.25 million, All of it. There will be no way to spread it out, it will all hit. So we will have to have some sort of resolution there unless Kwesi decides, you know what? We're going to, we're still going to sign him and we're going to sign him to a little bit of a cheaper deal. We're just going to take the hit now to make things a lot freer for 2025. There's merit to that. You can absolutely do that and manipulate the cap. The Vikings have been trying to manipulate the cap for the better part of, I don't know, my entire life. Uh, Rob Brzezinski has been in this front office for the, Dave, I want to say it's the better part of 20 years. And he's just been incredible as far as how he maneuvers with money, how he maneuvers with contract language. All of this matters. All of this matters in trying to build a a football team. And somebody, I think it was Aaron mentioned in the comments that my comrades at Score North, where we have Purple Daily on draft, normally comes out Mondays, but because of the natty tonight, comes out. Tuesday morning, uh, we're going to record tomorrow morning and we'll have conversations about the natty, which we're going to talk about here today too. They want to be done with cousins because it's hard to build a team around cousins right now because he just does not 
elevate you enough for what he's getting paid. And that's fine. There's, there's a very valid opinion there. Cousins wasn't at fault this year for how many fumbles there were for the massive amount of injuries to both sides of the ball. And yes. Um, hey, Dave, Freddie just put the quote up the full quote, uh, throw that up there. Freddie, thank you very much for sharing it in the comments. Bill's asking why he'll just keep saying hello. Bill, I don't, if this is your first time here, I want to say welcome. We have a pretty good community here and everybody get, talks to each other regularly in the chat. So it's, it's like you're seeing a friend. It's really cool. And it's, it's a, it's a special spot that we have here. The quote from Kirk cousins, God has blessed me financially beyond my wildest dreams. At this stage of my career, it's not about the dollars. It's about what the dollars represent. And that's why I interpreted it the way I did. He wants to be the guy and he wants the dollars to reflect that he's the guy, however many dollars that is. So if he takes a hometown discount per se, because I don't think he's going to take a discount, but I think he's going to be willing to accept what he feels is fair, which would be less in Minnesota than other places. Like, I don't think he's going to go to them. Like I'll take 5 million bucks. That no, the, like that's a hometown discount. Like Anthony Barr wanted to stay here. So he took a million and a half less per year than go to New York. Cause he just didn't feel good about going to New York. Like, that's a little bit of a, of a discount, but it's not like what the words hometown discount kind of represent. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens here with Kirk cousins and how this manifests here moving forward, because there's a lot of elements here and we're going to be on top of it. But I at least wanted to talk about those comments and kind of lay out the groundwork for what we're going to be seeing here moving forward. And that is a very interesting element to this whole conversation because cousins look I was I was very down on cousins throughout the course of the last few years I will say under Kevin O'Connell he has played much better he's been more consistent and he's been willing to adapt his playing style which I did not think he could do and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I I took the hell last year when he did that. And I, and the one thing that I want to say here with Kirk cousins, please. And I, I believe all of you do because you are here watching, listening. Oh, and Odie agrees too. As, as my wife just got home. Hello. Um, you have to be willing to evolve your opinion based on new information. And Phil, Phil Mackey, my, uh, my comrade over at Scorno said it best on social media. If you still have the same opinion from six years ago with all the new information that has come out, you're probably wrong. And I think that's something to just be aware. Of. Kirk is not the same player he was uh, six seasons no, I, ago. I, he I, just isn't. I think uh, Kevin O'Connell brought out more in him than he knew here, here. Here's how I want to phrase it. He empowered Kirk. He empowered Kirk to be his best self. It's almost like the Kirk cousins, Mike Zimmer relationship, like from an outside perspective and how Kirk was always talked about by Zimmer. It was like, for lack of a better phrase, it was kind of like an abusive relationship where it like, 
it's it's not physical, but like just mentally draining and somebody talking down about you all the time, talking down to you and all these different elements. And Kirk just kind of is like, okay, like what's Kirk going to do? He's not, he doesn't have the type of personality where he's going to go and challenge authority in press conferences. He's not going to out, outwardly rebel. That's just not who he is. Now, other quarterbacks would. You, you could get a guy like an Aaron Rodgers. He'd do that. Tom Brady might do that. But Kirk's not going to do that. Now he's in a relationship which is much more loving and nurturing from an outward perspective. How he's talked about by his teammates. Now, how he's talked about by the coaching staff and the front office. It's all positive. It's, I love you. Oh, I love you too. You know, we, it, it's just different. And having that type of culture, and it's one of the reasons why I've talked about culture a lot. Culture matters. You go to a workplace, it's something that you absolutely love to do. If you love to work at McDonald's, okay, you love going, you love what you do. You love being a fry cook. You love to helping people at the counter, but your managers are jerks. That sucks. And you're, you're just going to start to not like your job anymore. But if you go over to Burger King and you're able to do the same thing, but the managers treat you like family and they care about you and they make sure you're doing great all the time, you're going to have a much better time. That's kind of where we're at with Kirk Cousins. And we're going to kind of wrap up this topic because we're going to talk a lot about Kirk Cousins this year and we have a lot more to get to. But it's a very important conversation to have because what the Vikings do with Kirk Cousins is going to determine a lot about how this organization moves forward. And it's going to be very interesting to see. And how much money they have to spend to help fill holes. It does. Mm -hmm. It all plays together. Yes, it does. And it, there's, there's a few things that we're going to be looking at. But before we get there, I want to uh, mention our sponsor, our friends at Underdog Rescue. Do you remember my sweetie Claire? We adopted her from Underdog Rescue where they saved her from a puppy mill. And they they save dogs from all kinds of places. They save dogs from, from uh, breeders. They save dogs from overfilled shelters, which uh, if, if you're unaware, you'll notice a lot of rescues from the north will bring up animals from the south because there's so much overcrowding. And they will uh, help dogs in all walks of life. They'll help dogs that are dying and spend thousands of dollars to save them. They, they, they believe in helping all animals. And we believe in helping them. And we did. We put our money where our, our mouths are. And we adopted our sweetie, Claire. And our plan is to eventually adopt again. So if you want to save a life, if you want to help an animal, go check out Underdog Rescue, underdogrescuemn.com. And... Look at all the beautiful animals that are available for adoption. Or if you can't, they are always looking for donations to help the animals. And you can do any denomination, tax deductible, help out a furry friend in need, underdogrescuemn.com. I know we would appreciate it considering we both have furry friends. Odie is still with us. And then Dave's got big old Merlin, which Merlin is just a 
freaking great name for a dog, by the way. I don't know if I've told you that. <laughs> I love it. It's, just, it's fantastic. Um, UnderdogRescueMN.com. Go help them out. Dave, we have a lot of conversations to have tonight. We're, I want to kind of do a little bit of a broad perspective before we talk about the national championship game. Cause that's going to national championship game is going to start. I think slightly before we finish the show, the, the three things I'm looking for over the next few months, I want to see how the defense gets reshaped. The defensive line is brutal. There's really no way to phrase it. The idea of Marcus Davenport in this defense Phenomenal. Why? Freak athlete, great size, great length. He's got everything you want in a versatile piece that you can move around, that you can have do a ton of different things. Two high ankle sprains. And one of them he needed surgery on. You can't... Like, like I understand he'd been hurt a lot, but it's brutal. It's brutal. It's... It's awful. I would love to bring him back on a different type of prove it deal. He got the big money prove it deal and he didn't bring him back for 2 million bucks. Be like, Hey, you didn't prove it. I'm going to give you a chance to prove it again. We'd like to have you back and you give him significantly less money. Okay. You don't think he's going to want Oh, I think he probably does. Who's going to give him big money. Like the idea of this no prove idea. it deal, <clears throat> the idea of this prove it deal was he would be able to prove that he was that player that everybody thought he could be when the Saints traded up from twenty seven to fourteen to go get. Mm-hmm. And, and then he showed in the two full games he played. But oh, he's I'm, I'm good. I'm just curious if he's going to would be willing because I think two million for him and bring him back is reasonable. I don't know if mm-hmm. he thinks it's reasonable and his agent thinks they could find more someplace else and have some other team take that risk that he comes in and stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what ends up happening with Marcus Davenport in this defensive line. Because look, this defensive line was bad. And it wasn't bad because they didn't try. It was bad because it was undermanned and they lost Davenport, who was a quasi defensive line edge. They were kind of kind of using him um, all over the place. And they signed Dean Lowry, who tore his pack after after I think like seven, eight weeks. Um, yeah, he tore it in the Green Bay Packer game. They had James Lynch in his fourth year, who was turning out to be a very serviceable player towards ACL and camp. Jonathan Bullard, very serviceable player, vet minimum guy. Great to have in your rotation. You don't want him as a starter. I'd like to bring him back, keep him around because I think he's valuable, but otherwise it's pretty much Harrison Phillips. Kyrus Tonga keeps showing flashes at times, but he's not consistent. And Jaqual and Roy, who knows what you're going to get out of him. He's a fifth round pick, high fifth round pick like borderline fourth. And he was at one point projected to go in round one, but he couldn't see the field. And when he did, he then ended up getting hurt. I think he played less than 200 snaps overall. Not, it's hard to project a guy forward when he's not playing. 
And he wasn't playing because he was injured. He did get hurt, but that's not why he wasn't playing early on. It's you have to revamp this defensive line. You need a nose tackle badly. You need to find a nose tackle. Harrison Smith is not a nose tackle. Harrison Smith can do a lot of really good things for you. Playing nose in this style of defense is not what he's good at. So they need to find that. Freddie asked if I expect Daniel Hunter to be a Viking next year. I do. I think he's going to be a Minnesota Viking. Um, I, I don't see a, a real scenario where he's going to go anywhere else. The Vikings gave him that much money in July. That's a good faith deposit. It's they didn't have to do it. They just said, no, eat it. You're going to get what you got. And we don't have to give you anything. Eventually, like holdouts will end. It's not like it was 20 years ago. It's things are just different now. The NFLPA really conceded a lot on holdouts. I'm not, I'd have to go back and do a lot of research. I'm not quite sure what they got in return for it, but I'm sure they got something that they really, really wanted. Probably had to do with insurance benefits is my guess, but we'll see. Um, yeah, you have to figure out a way to do something. Edge rushers are need as well, but it all boils down to this. Brian Flores is defense and it was a very frustrating end of the season. After that shutout against the Raiders, they allowed 121 points in four games. Not great, but the Vikings did finish as the 17th overall defense in total defense, which is yards per game and 13th in points allowed per game with this roster, this roster. Let's just be honest with ourselves, Dave, not very good when it comes to defensive players. It just isn't. And it's not, it's not because that they're necessarily bad, but they're not high-end players. We don't really have high-end players on defense. You have Daniel Hunter's probably like an eight and a half or nine out of 10 at edge. You have three safeties that are probably like six and a half to seven out of 10. You have Harrison Phillips who's probably a seven out of 10. Your Byron Murphy's maybe a seven out of 10, a corner at best. And the rest of the guys are like fours and fives. But the reason why the defense worked is it was schemed up so well. And when it's schemed up well, you can mask a lot of the deficiencies when it comes to talent. Eventually, the lack of talent comes home to roost, and it did in a bad way at the end of the season. The schemed up stuff just wasn't working as well. The communication broke down in a massive way. And if you want to keep this going, you have to bring in more talent. So how is Brian Flores going to add more talent? That's going to be a real key here, Dave. Adding talent to this defense. Mm -hmm. And that should come through free agency and the draft. And for free agency, the more money you have to spend, the better quality you can go player, you can target to go get. Yesterday, it seemed like they were emptying the cupboard. I saw Jalen Williams out there, and I go, who in the world is that? You know, I know Joan Williams was out there as well. But I know who mm-hmm. Juwan was. But when I saw Jalen, I was like, hmm? You know, and I had to look him up on the roster. I just, I literally didn't know who it was. It's, it got that bad on the defensive side. And what Flores did with what he had was remarkable, especially in that middle section of the season where he was shutting people down 
and we had players that that was a thing of beauty. But the defense has a ton of holes that needs to be addressed in this offseason. Part of it through free agency and part of it through the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And the the big thing was why Jalen Williams played is because Makai Blackman and Byron Murphy Jr. were out. And all of a sudden, Jalen Williams, who's a rookie free agent out of Indiana, becomes your fourth cornerback. Not a great situation. But Andrew Booth Jr., I didn't really have any issues with how he played as far as looking at like the television broadcast. Didn't really see him making a lot of errors. And then the PFF grade was relatively nice to him as well. Like maybe we have something with Booth. I genuinely don't know. Um, so here I want to address the Caleb Evans because Aaron said, I thought Evans was going to shine this year. Depends on what games you're watching because he was very good until like the Bengals game, the Bengals game. He was okay. And then he, it was almost like he completely lost his confidence and got into a massive, massive funk. And if you remember Xavier Rhodes, all pro in 2017, pretty good in 2018, 2019 completely lost it. And some of it, it just, it's a very mental position. It's a very, you need to play with confidence. You need to play with a lot of technique. You need to do all of those things. But if you're not confident, how in the world are you supposed to play with confidence? And I think the season being over is probably the best thing for Evans. He needs a break. He needs time to get his mind right. He needs time to kind of figure things out. And now he's got it. So I think I, I'm still high on Evans. I still believe he can be a starting cornerback because I'll be honest, he was a starting cornerback, a good one until about the Bengals game. And then he just had a really bad end of the year. Get his mind right. Take a vacation. And let, let's get back at it in July once training camp starts. Like, I'm not super concerned with him long term, but he did struggle. And there's really no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, last thing, how far is this team from competing? <sighs> Look, if you would have told me that this team finished 12 and 5, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Why? They kept getting in their own way. Teams didn't whip their butts. The Vikings whipped themselves, except for the Packer game. The Packer game was a combination of both. Packers just straight up beat them. But you look at pretty much every other game, the Vikings were in all of them. The problem was, wasn't always that simple. They kept turning the ball over. They kept making mistakes. And you can't keep doing that if you want to win football games long-term. You just can't. And I think that they're closer to competing considering the coaching that they have, but you have to keep the coaching in place. You have to find a defensive line coach because Chris Rumpf left in October and then he took the Clemson job in December. It was a very odd situation. You had Mike Smith who left before the season started on a personal leave. So you were kind of shorthanded in the coaching department a little bit, but the Vikings were still in pretty much every game. So it tells you that this team isn't that far off. If you can improve the talent and get the sidelines and coaching a little bit more steady. I'm not saying that they're going to the Super Bowl next year, but if this team ended up winning 12 games, 
I wouldn't be shocked. There's a lot of different things that are, are going on. There's a lot of nuance that we have to talk about with these things. And I think the Vikings have a real chance to be a quality team next year, but they have to hit on the right moves. They have to hit on free agents. They have to hit on some of these draft picks that they've already made. So we'll find out. But I think this team is a lot closer than some might believe. I agree. I explained it on yeah, a phone call right. to wrap today. I think we could yeah. be good next year and then we could be competing for that Super Bowl the year after. But anything can happen during the season and you can you could hit on the right people this off season, whether it be through a free agency and a draft, and that's enough to take you over the top. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's answer a couple questions from the comments. Um, and if you guys are listening on podcast, don't forget every Monday and Wednesday night at 6.05 PM central time, we're live on YouTube and you can join the comments and we, we don't answer every single question in the comments, but we try to get to a bunch of them. Um, Freddie asks, uh, are we going to trade it for Drake may we're going to have an entire episode where all I do is break down different trade scenarios and why it makes sense, why it doesn't. And if, and talking about these quarterbacks. But you got to remember, I haven't watched all the quarterbacks in depth yet. I've seen them live. But watching the all 22 is just different. And then Josh Bunkers. Tease me, Forno. Can we go into the 2024 draft with an extended Mullins pencil in a quarterback? Look, you might go into the 2024 season with Mullins pencil, the quarterback. He's under contract. $2.25 million. And if you need to give, hypothetically, a Michael Penix Jr., a J.J. McCarthy, a Jaden Daniels, three or four games, Mullins can start those games. Yeah, it's not the perfect scenario, but it's objectively fine. And I, I'd, I'd have no issue with that. So, like, Mullins will at least give you a baseline. And I think that's that's really important here. So, we're going to wrap this up here relatively quickly tonight because... And if you're listening on podcast, thank you. But all of this will be kind of moot to you because we're going to be talking about the preview of the national championship game, which is about to kick off in a few minutes. Let's talk about the national title game. Um, Washington is now five point underdogs to Michigan. I wrote up a big piece on collegefootballnetwork.com. I recommend you go check that out, but I'll give you the quick one here. Bet Washington against the spread. Bet Washington money line. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win thirty-one twenty. And I really like Washington. It all starts with the quarterback and their receivers. Michael Penix Jr. throwing to three receivers who will probably be top fifty picks. Romo Dunze could go top ten. Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk could go top fifty. This wide receiver room is that good. And Odunze. Play, it plays a similar style to Jamar Chase, but I don't think he's as physical. I think he's more of when he comes to contested catches. I think he's more nuanced. I think he's more finesse, which I, I actually prefer because you're not going through him. You're using your body and going around and you're trying to catch the ball in better and more advantageous situations for you. I think that's objectively great, but it's not always perfect. And Odunze also tested extremely well, but the big issue with Odunze is 
it doesn't really look like it translates on the field. And some of that's just because he's a long strider, 6'3", 217. I don't see him as the most explosive athlete on the field. I think he's a really good athlete, not a great one as far as the, the film tells me. He'll probably test off the charts, but I I think he's a really talented player. And then McMillan and Polk, like if you just double Odunze, guess what? Polk and McMillan are going to torch you. And that's where this becomes a really difficult situation for Washington. Plus, Washington has the best offensive line in football, in college football. They won the Joe Morrow Award for the best offensive line. They're led by left tackle Troy Fautanu, uh, who you see right there. Some analysts want to move him inside to guard. I think he's probably going to be better at tackle. But it's, as Freddie kind of mentioned, he's scouting these QBs. It's about the quarterbacks. Um, Big thing to watch with Penix. Watch the throwing motion. Watch the feet and watch how they sync together. That's going to be a really big thing because a friend of mine just kind of talking things through with him uh, mentioned that I didn't really have too big of an issue with, but he likes to drop the arm and kind of throw sidearm. uh, And he loses a lot of power that way. I think he's losing power because of his legs and he doesn't really set his base. He really throws with all arm, but it just works. That's why my comp is uh, Hall of Fame Indiana Pacers guard Reggie Miller. Wonky mechanics, but it just works. And I recommend you watch him. But also, Dave, we got to talk about J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy has done a really good job playing well when he's asked to. But the thing is, they don't ask him to do a whole lot. They ask him to run a rushing attack and throw when he needs to. And that's why I hope he doesn't return to Michigan next year. I want to see what he can do outside of that system. I want to see him grow. And the only way I think he's going to truly grow is by doing more and getting out of what that team wants him to do. Look, it works. But at a certain point, if you're doing the same things over and over again, you're not showing growth. You're not getting better. And I don't think he's going to get much better at Michigan. And that's why I want to see him move on. The big thing with Michigan tonight is... You want to watch this offense run the ball against a Washington front that quite frankly, isn't very strong. You have Braylon Trice, the edge rusher who absolutely dominated against Texas late in the game, but there isn't a whole lot else as far as that defensive front being great and being able to stop the run. And Michigan's one of the best running attacks in the nation led by Blake Corum who was a Heisman candidate, not this year, but last year. And Corum ran for over a thousand yards. He's, I think he has like 24 touchdowns this year. He's been excellent. Yeah. There's a chance he's the top running back in the NFL draft. I probably won't have him that way. Cause as you can tell, he's rather small in stature. And I don't think he's this explosive athlete. I think he's going to test average to above average which is fine. He's got really good vision, but I would prefer the athleticism just be a little bit higher. Uh, but that rushing attack could be key to a Michigan win. And the trenches, like Dave loves big round bellies, mm-hmm. but the trenches are usually where games are won. If Washington wins the trenches, if they win it on offense, it could be close. If they win it on both sides, Washington could slaughter Michigan because they can score from anywhere on the field, they can hit deep bombs consistently with accuracy against Texas. 
Michael Pettings Jr. throwing to Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk. And this will be the final thing I give you before the game kicks off. 19 of 20 for 355 yards. And I believe two touchdowns. Yes. One game throwing to his receivers. That's how good he was. Enjoy the game tonight. We will be back on Wednesday to talk more about this Minnesota Vikings team. I need to get to watching this game because it is part of my job. And thank you very much for joining us. We're going to have more skull searches, hopefully some more this week. Dave and I need to figure out timing. Um, maybe tomorrow we'll, we'll try and figure it out. Cause I know uh, I have plans with the wife. We're going to mall of America tomorrow, but maybe tomorrow night we'll, we'll find out that uh, you're going to want to like subscribe and ring the bell. So, you know, when we're going live, because it could be at any time and you're not going to want to miss out. And thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, all the fun things and subscribe to the podcast feed where we have podcast only shows. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. Skull Vikings, everybody. Skull Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.